Welcome back to Absurdity, where we discuss all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And today I am joined by my tall, dark, and handsome co-host, Henry Johnson, who is only two out of three of those things. Thank you, Ryan. I was just preparing (laughs) a comeback, and I wasn't sure how to handle that, but looking at your screen, I'll just say scratch that. Nice. Well done. My shirt says scratch the surface. Well done. Good job. Yes, but I, the way uh, you're sitting, it just says the scratch at the top until you lean have you back ever, and then I get the the... Have, have you ever seen those like pick two? You can have it, I think uh, like freelancers use those where it's like uh, for clients, you can either have it done quick, done cheap, or uh, done I think right. It's done, I think it's done right is the third one. Uh, that's, that's, what I, that's what I thought for tall, dark, and handsome for you. Uh, pick two. Those are the only, those are the only two you guess. And if you've never seen Henry, because you are unaware that I now uh, publish these on my YouTube channel, so you can actually watch Absurdity now, uh, completely That's from start absurd. to finish. There is, there's no paywall for it. There is just full on YouTube release for this show on my YouTube channel, which you can check in the uh, description, the episode description for this. Also, Henry, um. I found out so I found out a really cool app this week for listening to podcasts that you of all people I think would really appreciate. It's called Air, A I R R, and it is meant to uh, basically take notes for podcasts where you can highlight. Imagine being able to highlight your podcast. So as you're listening to a show that you like, you can just like literally tap or hold down a quote button on the screen and it will just grab that audio snippet and you can share that uh, to people. You can like just share a specific segment of a show. You can take notes. You can have the app transcribe that certain section of it too. Uh, It's actually, I just discovered it this week thanks to a a YouTube video from, I think his name is Ali Abdal. Uh, He's like a doctor turned YouTuber who's uh, does a ton of like productivity, lifelong learning style videos. They're all really good, but I learned it from him. It's a really cool app that I've started to check out. And I figure if uh, if anyone out there wants a new podcast app to use, or Henry, if you want one, you may enjoy that. All righty, that's new. They're not a sponsor, by the way. No, we yeah, no, no. All the sponsors already played. We're <laughs> we're good. Which, if you're listening to this after, I think I had to extend our contract with Southwestern for a month because of an issue that took place in December. Where the ad didn't play, um, we uh, yeah. Did so you after, know there's an Adventist University in Texas? Yes, that's right, that Texas. Oh, sorry. If uh, <laughs> so, once July is out, uh, there won't be any more ads on this show, which is cool. We're just running it straight through, um, and that's gonna be that's gonna be that. So, um, but yeah, with that, um, today is Let's not talk about gonna running be... something else straight through. I mean, yeah. Uh, Today is not going to be a fun day, Uh, so I'm just going to open with a trigger warning right now because uh, if you are unaware of Josh Duggar or unaware of... I'm sorry, I just threw up my mouth a little bit. Yep. If you're unaware of any of of what's happened, um, just know that uh, today's episode involves... uh, It involves sexual assault... It involves sexual assaults of minors. It involves child pornography. It involves quite a number of things related to spiritual quite a number abuse. Of things related to this spiritual abuse, spousal uh, abuse through through and spousal abuse through male headship theology and and through um, 
through basically submissive theology or submission theology. Um, White privilege so, in the justice system. <laughs> that's right. There's uh, there's quite a bit of things going on here uh, that are that are worth talking about. And but unfortunately, that does mean that if you're someone who has personally experienced any of this or uh, still has some emotional ties to it that are quite difficult, I just want to give you a heads up ahead of time that we are going to be talking about this. It's important to talk about, and I think there are some real lessons to draw from this for if you're involved in the church, if you're in any position of influence in your own local church, community, friend group, whatever, uh, and you're a Christian, then there are things that we can be doing individually and and communally in order to kind of stop the harmful theology that has brought this stuff about, or that has at least aided in bringing this stuff about. It's aided and abetted, but... Yep. Even though most people might not view it that way, bad the- good theology or bad theology always leads to good or bad activity. What you believe always expresses itself. This is this is independent of even religious thought. What you believe will express itself. If I believe in gravity, I'm probably not throwing myself off of a bridge just for fun to see if I float, right? So what you believe, you usually act on, and that's kind of the concept we're going on here. Yep. So... For background on Josh Duggar, um, and I had to actually look some of this up again because it's been uh, enough time has passed since I've interacted with it. And even when it first broke, I didn't interact with it heavily. And this is the you know, second several time years an issue ago. has this come is up correct. with this individual, yes. Correct. So I did some background on him, and I actually had to take a break and walk away. So, yeah, uh, yeah. this one is rough. But uh, Thanks for giving a media platform to this guy, TLC. Not... To be fair, I don't think they knew at the time that this happened, but I could be wrong. The first, the first piece, obviously, TLC the, the, hasn't the done anything with one. them since. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they—I don't think they uh, have. They released a new show with him. I don't think they had. No, no, I don't think they released a new show. But if I'm not mistaken, he was able to reappear on oh, the one they yes. were continuing, at least in certain episodes. But yes, I say that only had. to as a as a background. My my wife, for whatever reason, I mean, you know. She, every perfect person has to have a flaw. And my wife says she watches TLC shows as if reality television is worth anything. And so I, I know of the show he was on. And that's the only way I, I know of it is because my wife sometimes has watched it. And I've walked through and like, what are you watching? But anyway. Henry, it's okay to say that you like uh, trash reality television. It's completely okay to do that. Well, if HGTV counts as trash reality television, it just involves houses instead of people, then yes, I do sometimes like HGTV is like the new medical (laughs) office waiting, like lobby uh, TV channel now. That's what HGTV is. You say that, but that's hilarious you say that because I was in an entodontist office for an appointment and HGTV was on in the waiting area. I know my dentist does it. Yes. My uh, my primary care facility does it. I I, I mean, it's all probably because different... they think it's the only thing safe for kids, adults, and everything. Just it's it's just mindless. Look, how bad can it be tearing out a wall in a house versus correct versus Jersey Discovery Shore. Channel, History Channel, yeah, any of those. Yeah, so. because History Channel is not history. It's zombies, pirates, and zombie Nazis or zombie pirates. Right, you know, whichever you want. I was going to say, you're describing the plot of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. We've gotten way <laughs> off track. So, Sorry, it, that, that's it's our because minds we don't want to protect do this. themselves. Correct. From it's what, because we don't want to do this. Okay, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be quiet. Ryan, give us the the. No, it's speaking okay. of Vampire Hunter, give us the gory details about the man that should have an axe in his head. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just give away what I thought about this? Uh, give us the background. So, 
Josh Duggar is a part of the Duggar family, which had a show back in, I think, 2008 is when it first released on TLC called 19 and Counting about a, a family, the Duggar family, with an ever-growing number of kids. And it was in... That's that's how the Duggar family first came to fame, including including Josh. Well, on May 21st in 2015, a report by the magazine In Touch Weekly stated that Jim Bob Duggar, who I believe that's, is... That's a really bad magazine title for this topic. I agree. The Jim Bob Duggar, I believe is his dad, um, had told the Arkansas State Police that Josh Duggar molested five underage girls between 2003 and 2000, or 2002 and 2003 when he was 14 and 15 years old. The magazine's source of information was a redacted police report obtained via the Freedom of Information Act. And the police report indicated that four of the five molestation victims were Duggar's siblings. Jim Bob Duggar reported that he learned in March 2002 that Josh had touched the breasts and genital region of his sisters on multiple occasions while they were sleeping. I now feel the need to go rinse my mouth out after reading that statement. Yeah, that was hoof. And it just, it, it's, I saw a comment, um, I'll come, I'll come down to it a little bit later, but I saw a comment that, that someone said that this whole story has been kind of like a, a Russian nesting dolls of, of, of bad, of bad surprise. And, look what's under here. Up oh, surprise. Yep, exactly. In March, 2003, Duggar's parents learned of additional incidents and victims included, including the touching of a babysitter reaching under the dress of a younger sister who was in his lap and quartering a sister in the laundry room to reach under her clothing. The Duggars had also been told the abuse included a much younger system, who, or sister who, according to them, didn't understand she had been improperly touched. And the magazine reported in June of 2015 that another police report they'd obtained said Josh had confessed to his father on three separate occasions to committing molestation. He'd admitted it involved a much younger system, uh, sister, I don't know why I keep saying that, sister and seven incidents. The article also noted that the family waited at least 16 months before reporting the abuse to authorities. Now, most of that, just so we're clear, I, I do cite sources, does come from Wikipedia. However, almost every single one of those sentences has like 10 different annotations next to it. So all of those are, um, all of those are cited. So... That's the first thing that broke uh, was... That's was, what got him removed from the show. Then in 20... I believe it was in 2015 as a part of this was when it when the Ashley Madison data leak or data breach happened and Josh was revealed to have made about $1,000 worth of payments over a two-year period during the time that all of this was coming out. And it was when he... That's when he confessed to a pornography addiction and being unfaithful to his wife and being a massive hypocrite. And around this time is when a retired porn star was, was basically suing was, yeah, had filed charges against Josh and was for, for alleged rape. And she as an individual didn't have the resources to go after Josh, who was rich from, you know, years of being on a television show with his family and she didn't have the money to pursue it. So when his when Josh's lawyers pulled out receipts, and I you can look up the details of of the alleged. I'm not going to go into that one. That one is that one's also very that one's more graphic. But 
Uh, basically, Josh's lawyers produced records of Uber receipts from a different city from the at the alleged time of or the alleged date of the rape. And she didn't have the resources. Uh, her claim is she doesn't have the resources to go up against a continual a continual thing of trying to battle this. And so she ended up dropping it. And that happens quite a lot in the system. So it's hard to say, you know, it, it is an alleged at this point. However, given what given what has now turned up about Josh in this most recent one, I am am much more inclined to believe this and or believe that. Yeah, and one of the shoe fits. <laughs> right? And one of the grossest things to me was at one point Josh Josh's dad took him to meet with an Arkansas state trooper named uh last name was Hutchins and the and to confess about it and and talk about it Hutchins claimed that he only knew of one one incident he and that that Josh hadn't told him any more or confessed to any more and Hutchins apparently gave him a very stern talking to Josh has been in therapy or rehabilitation clinic several times uh but then get this Hutchins himself the state trooper was found was later arrested and convicted on child pornography charges that's and the russian nesting doll or it's arkansas or it's Arkansas. Um, just kidding. If you're from Arkansas, we we love you. Especially if you're from Bentonville, because that's like mountain biking capital right now. Uh, it's actually really and, cool. And, and, this, I really and the headquarters of what most Americans worship every day to get all of our stuff. Oh, Amazon? Walmart. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> Amazon is not in Arkansas. That's why I was confused. Because during the pandemic, it wasn't Walmart, friend. It was it was No, that's Amazon. true. But, but they're lazy folks that still want it now. And that's yep. going to be Walmart. All right, so let's get into the current news, which is on April 29, U.S. Marshals arrested Duggar. This is this year. This is literally, what, a week ago? On April 29, 2021, U.S. Marshals arrested Duggar on federal charges of possession of child pornography, and they allege that he obtained the images in 2019. The federal, the federal grand jury's indictment accuses Duggar of having knowingly received pornographic images of children who are under 12 years old. On April 30, he pleaded not guilty to one count each of charges of receiving and possessing child pornography, indicating that he would fight back in the courtroom against the charges. At the time that this all happened, Duggar's six children were under the age of 11, and his wife Anna was pregnant with a seventh child. As part of the conditions for his bail, yes, Duggar made bail. He actually has a conditional bail. But he did. Oh, oh make but bail. wait, it, it, but it gets better. You're going to talk about the conditions of the bail? Yeah, the conditions of the bail are he must wear an ankle monitor. He is, he, is per, he is permitted to have as much contact with his children as he wants as long as his wife is present. He has to have a probation officer's permission to leave the third party custodian's home. In other words, he's staying with actually, I think, a pastor and family friends. He's staying uh, with he, someone that his dad found for him. Yes. Who, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, that individual he's staying with, that wife did not want him there. No, no one wants him there. No one wants him out. Uh, He can't access the internet, and he cannot be inside a residence where firearms are stored. So, all of this to say, um, if you're you're curious about um, just how gross this is, the videos themselves contained... Uh, or the, the the images and videos that he had contained um, videos on uh, 
completely grown a father's basically abusing toddlers, babies, infants, the uh, sexually didn't abusing it, them. Didn't and the otherwise. lead investigator say this was some of the most horrible yeah, stuff top, he's ever had to weed five. through? Yep. Yeah. The uh, top five worst things that they've seen. In fact, one of the most notorious child pornography criminals or, or convicts, Scully, I think is his last name. Is it Ted Scully? I'm trying to remember his name. But there's claims out there, and I haven't been able to verify them yet, that what, that some of the videos that he has, uh, that he made, uh, actually were on Josh's computer. And this dude has kids that are within the age range the, of the videos he was watching. watching. On top of videos of wi- wives and full, agro- full adult women also being raped. So it was both child pornography and just straight up uh, sexual assault videos, and it's uh, of of adults, and it's so gross and disgusting. And once again, I feel the need to to wash out my mouth. And and if you could listen to all of that, yeah. I salute you because it was really hard for me to read, to be honest. And now we actually have to dissect some of this. Yeah. Um, and as a, as a side note, if you're watching this on, on, on the YouTube, you might notice Ryan and I both either smirking or laughing or whatever. And it's not at the material. I don't want it to come off as glib. Like we're sitting here like, <laughs> no, it's out of, it's back. out of sh- like it's, disbelief it's, it's, and it's, horror. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you ever been in those situations where it's so bad, it's awkward and you're just, desperate your body's trying to figure out how do i respond to this or what should i do so like even me throwing in a few puns every now and then it's like try and act normal this is oh, really... so every first date i've ever been on okay yeah. great oh, um, oh mercy yeah you agreed anyway, with that before i finished my, uh, listen my point <laughs> my point being having been on a first date with ryan no, just, uh so the point is yeah it's and even this little diversion here before we get into it, this is just really difficult stuff, which is, again, why the trigger warning. And we don't mean to make light of it at all. This is us wrestling with material that no human being should have to wrestle with. And I know that's us not having experienced or been the recipient of any of this. So, again, to any of our listeners who have unfortunately been the recipient of things like this, of any kind of abuse, of any kind of you know revenge porn, image shaming, what, whatever kind of things, even some of the spiritual abuse and headship theology we're going to be talking about that intersects with this. Again, we're not trying to make light of it, and we don't want to, in our attempts to wrestle with it, further violate you or or maximize your pain. That's not our intent. So I just wanted to explain that if you're watching or listening, and part of you is like, man, it kind of seems like they're making light of it. We're not. uh, Unfortunately, we don't have a framework with which to relate to this. I mean, I mean, that's a good that we don't have a framework, but I'm saying we're just struggling to to churn through this. So that's why it's it's gonna yeah. be kind of weird, even though the topic is just beyond diabolically weird. It's it doesn't even deserve the moniker of weird. It's just gross. No, it but this is an important part of an important part of moving forward from this stuff is being is is and I don't mean this from the victimization standpoint. I mean this from a kind of church and society standpoint. The only way we actually get through this stuff is by addressing it, not sweeping it under the rug. That's why we have trigger warnings at the beginning so that those who are sensitive to it can turn away if they need to and can or take breaks or whatever so that they're not caught off guard. But we do want to make sure that we're having the conversations that we need to have because at the end of the day, uh, Josh and his family do claim to be uh, people of faith and they're, they... They, there's a very specific theology that we've already mentioned, at, you know, before I gave the background for all of this, that plays into this pretty heavily. 
and is something that is, and I think both of our opinions pretty gross. So anyway, yeah, I think it's, I, I think I hate to have this conversation, but I'm glad that things have progressed to a point that this doesn't just get swept under the rug entirely. And I'm glad that social media Almost exists. like it did the last time. Correct. And I'm glad social media exists as a way to make sure that it stays in the spotlight. We're see- we saw that with George Floyd. And now we see that with people like Duggar. We see this with Andrew Brown in, uh, in well, North and Carolina. And it's something that's true for all the times. None of us like conflict, but this should be another further proof for, for people of faith and anybody if you do not deal with something when you first discover it, it will manifest itself again and probably in worse fashion. This always, always happens. You go, well, they've been caught now. And so if we give them grace, then, you know, this will never happen again. Well, this is one thing if they're taking the cookie out the cookie jar. It's another thing with, uh, use your mind, but every time people are like, well, they've learned or let's just drop it. It, it never drops. It comes back and like a dodgeball game gone wrong, whacks you in the face horribly. Every time. And it's so anyway, let's let's kind of dive into this a little bit more. So, Henry, I guess initial thoughts on, on all of this and uh, reactions when when you heard about this and, and how you've kind of processed it since. Vomit. Just straight vomit for weeks. Just just con- <laughs> one continuous stream. It just stopped before we recorded. Y- yes, totally like. Not that I need to give this imagery to people, but totally like the Family Guy episode where Stewie had ingested, you know, the whole family had tried to ingest vomit-inducing drugs to fight over who could get the last piece of pie in the fridge. Uh, It was just not good. No, I mean, I didn't literally throw up, but I I definitely did not feel good about this. Uh, I remember my first reaction was thinking my wife watches things dealing with this family, maybe not Josh specifically, but the wider family. And I was so tempted to go in and like forbid my wife from watching anything with their name in it. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's not my right to do, you know? So well, like, and that's actually a very, very important point in all that's of this. Another, it really yeah, isn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it isn't. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if we want to get fair, there's lots of things we could all say that we, <laughs> I just referenced family guy. That's not the best show either. So, uh, sorry to all my cartoon lovers, but my point is, yeah, hey, that's so, me. I can yeah, quote yeah, I almost all of Family Guy front to back. Hey, what the deuce? How it's finally happened. I've taken See? over absurdity. Okay, anyway. So now that you just got that bit of knowledge, again, that's deflecting. But yeah, my, my whole point is it was, it, it took me a second, actually, when I first heard the news again. They mentioned this name, and because I don't necessarily watch the show, it, I, I was like, that sounds familiar, but I don't know why it's familiar. And then it was kind of like I ignored it at first. And then in a downtime waiting in a line, I start going through the news app again. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll click on this. And then they're explaining that whole family. I was like, oh, yeah, the show that my wife has on the app. And and that was about my gist of interaction with it. You know, I, I can't say I've ever even watched a full episode of that when he was on it or even since through. Yeah. So it, it's not that personal in that sense. But just reading the quotes from the guy saying what the you know, the pornography was, and this is an FBI agent that deals with this kind of stuff. And he's like, this is like top five worst I've ever seen. And then realizing, you know, looking into the topic a bit more than I had, because honestly, if it was ever on my radar, it definitely fell off. And then reading about what he was doing to his own family, the thought that crossed my mind again was, what makes you think to the judge or whoever just let him out on bail? What makes you think he wouldn't do it to his own kids if he did it to his siblings? I just... 
Like the whole thing was just like one big giant red flag. As a pastor, if I had anybody that was even remotely close to any of this and I found out in my church, they're out. Yep. Okay, that they, they ain't staying around. I don't care if they're on bail or whatever. And I'll, I'll be like, you know what? <laughs> it, you're gone. You're, you're out and everyone deserves ministry, but you deserve ministry away from any people in this congregation right now. <laughs> Correct. There is grace and there is there is forgiveness that comes, but that doesn't mess that doesn't exclude you or prevent consequences for your actions consequences and safeguards to protect doing other things people. That, and to protect you before people Correct. are like, oh, you're and picking on this you. person. If you've got an issue with children, yep. right, why would you why would someone who loves you willingly put you back around children? Right? Because oh, well, nobody's willing to get into that absolute. to some degree. Unfortunately, well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just saying as a as a leader, and 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 maybe this is going out on a limb here because it's interesting that this topic hit, and, and it's very interesting. I want to be very careful how I how I phrase this. I've ended up having to minister to an individual in the last year of my ministry who took a lot of courage. They finally came to me and admitted that they had served time in jail over child pornography issues. Uh, and they were notifying me of this because both it's the law, because they get put on a sex offender registry, and they were mm -hmm. interested in the church, and and they wanted to notify me. But here, here's the couple things that was interesting to me about that. This individual confessed it to me without me having to find it out, and then be like, hey, look what I just discovered. So they went out of their way to tell me, which I know is legal, but it doesn't mean people do it. Uh, that's the law. It did it. The second thing is they admitted it to me. Third, they were almost in tears and contrite about it. And four, readily said, I want to stay away from kids. I don't want to be anywhere near them. I want you to know I'm perfectly willing for whatever restrictions you place on me to, to stay away. Mm. And also they went, if this makes you uncomfortable, I will never set foot in that church again. Like they were, they were to that level of... Yeah. I'm letting you know, and you tell me whether I can be there or not. Either he's you know. a master manipulator, or he's someone who's really processed this a lot, and 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 underst and understands the the ramifications of of his actions. Co correct, and and that's what I'm saying. And yes, there are people that manipulate like that. So I don't I didn't just take that if it's like ha ha yay, but because of that, the leadership we've been able to sit down and make very clear guidelines, and it's a one strike you're out policy, not three. Yep. And, and so we've said, okay, there's going to be these limited interactions, and if you cross this line once for the safety of everybody, you're gone. Yep. And Just let's be clear, the line is not what he did before. The line is a lot is a lot uh, further back from what he did before. So it, it, the line it's, it's isn't like drawn in a lot more. It's correct. Like, like if I see you handing candy to a child, I mean, you know, correct. <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. So the, the it's not one strike being. Oh, one uh, serious action taken, but more so we're seeing the little actions that could be seen as, or even yeah, we want to prevent them from grooming. being able to 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 Correct. go back down that path. But the point I was bringing all that up was, it's interesting this topic hit when I was having to not to deal exactly with the same, but but deal with something like that, and just even in that limited interaction, whether this person people could say, well, they're probably manipulating you or not. That level of, even if it was manipulation, dealing with it is a far cry from what so far in evidence has been seen or is known by me in the Duggard case, and that automatically threw another red flag up. I'm like, where is the contrition? Where is the, this is wrong? Where is the, what, you know, I, so that was my initial thoughts. Like, there's just nothing about this case that strikes me as good. 
No, I mean, not, not that there was any fear about that before, but there was not even a modicum of like, I don't even think this person understands problem, you know, and that, that scares me even further. And I guess that was my final thought. I'm terrified for his children. If something yeah. hasn't already happened to them, I'm, I'm very terrified for his, his kids during this, this time. Because yep. I, I hate to say my, my brain goes that way, but if this guy knows he's about to go to jail for a long time and, if you've ever done prison ministry, jails have a, a hierarchy. I know this might shock some people. It's kind of off topic, but jail, prisons have a hierarchy. Prisoners have a way of what they think is acceptable evils in public and not. And depending on what you go to jail for, there's, a, there's, there's, you know, there's levels. And anything that deals with molesting kids or child pornography, like stuff that deals with little infants, like even gang members and hardened criminals, they... Do not, that's like the bottom rung of prison slime. And a lot of people that go to jail over these kinds of things end up never coming out of jail, not because they're staying there for a sentence, because they get killed. Other, other prisoners yep. just kind of whack them. And, and, and so my fear is if the guy knows he's going to jail for a while, and that could probably happen, assuming the guy's got two brain cells firing at the same time, what does he try and enjoy before he goes? And that terrifies me. Well, and, and, by the way, there, there's a, there's not, there's a political system within, within prisons too. And just that whole thing made me think of a, an amazing podcast by Propaganda. If you don't know who Propaganda is, Christian hip hop uh, and spoken word artist who is uh, really involved in social activism and, and social justice, but he has a podcast called Hood Politics and the entire idea, he's from, he's from Southern California and his entire his entire thing is that you can describe all of all of like American politics and geopolitical issues through the lens of politics in the hood, and hmm. uh, and how gangs interact and all like the whole thing, and it's really really insightful and it's delivered in a very authentic way as well, and I I would just recommend that to anyone who's curious and if that enticed you at all you should definitely check it out but. So, Henry, I kind of, I don't differ from you in how you feel about it. I differ in the, the significant, or not the significance, but the, 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 the blatantness of my reaction, I guess, or the, the, the expression that I've had, which is basically because of my work with absurdity and diving into a lot of this stuff over the years as far as like stories after story after story i'm i'm subscribed to the subreddit pastor arrested which is uh just highlighting I'm once sure again a wonderful all those thread. all those yeah well unfortunately henry i i found out about that subreddit and had googled it was shortly after a friend of ours got caught up in something who's a pastor and yes ah uh, uh, yes yes he absolutely appeared on that subreddit which was a really bad day for me when i when i that but that's how i found that subreddit so the uh i've been exposed to so much of this stuff as far as like all these different stories and uh, of this happening that it's kind of like great another one you know now the granted this is this is a, this is a a different level too. This in is some, enough in that the dopamine hits hit to get rid of but, the desensitizing nature. But it's it's still like I wouldn't say dopamine. There's definitely not dopamine from this. Well, well, I mean, oh, that's true. Yeah, I just mean 
yeah, the desensitization to, to, yeah. process. Things have to. There, get there was more... a sh- it was a shocking enough to 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 yeah. jolt. Yes, but I still had more of a like. Yes, this is disgusting. But at this point, it almost seems par for the course for a lot of a lot of people like this, and that's what 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 scares me about it. And I think that's the thing that gets me the most is is the scariness of when does it stop if it ever stops, or what can we do systemically or individually to to help deal with with some of this and and protect people, but uh, both both protect people from ever falling into the trap of you know doing this kind of thing, but also protect others from those who do fall into those traps or willingly enter them. The and then the other side of this was just frustration and anger because every single time. And I've talked about this several times in the show, but every single time something like this happens, it makes a pastor's job harder. It makes it harder for Christianity, like for real and 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 true and and genuine, authentic Christianity to, to shine exist. and to exist. Yeah. Correct. And every time there is, this is what we're seeing with with a lot of white evangelicalism that sold its soul to to Trump was was that same thing. By the way, I'm not saying every single Trump supporter is this. I'm talking about evangelicalism as a system, just so we're all so we're all clear the, on the, this. The leadership of, as a whole of like the Christian coalition and things like this. We're not talking about yes. necessarily the individual voter. Yes, though there are a lot of individual voters as well. Uh, yeah. But not all. I'm not going to sit here and go all Trump supporters or whatever. We're not doing that here. But I, I just wanted to make that clear. It's just it delegitimizes what we're trying to do. And it, and well, nothing can delegitimize it, but what I'm saying is it just makes those conversations harder. And I remember I was just watching, I found an old Joe Rogan experience clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson on why he doesn't call himself an atheist. And his entire, his entire shtick was, I don't call myself an atheist because I believe in the definition of the word being defined by, or being, being made by how it's currently being used. That's how, so his idea was, I don't call myself atheist because of the behavior and actions of the top atheists or the most public and notable atheists. What people think of when they say that. Yes. Who you think of when you say that. He's like, I don't back what they're doing. I don't do what they do. And I don't care about that. And I don't like, but atheism is now defined by a lot of those individuals and that kind of militant version uh, of atheism. And he's like, I don't, I don't put myself in that boat. Uh, and so I, I have trouble calling myself uh, an atheist. And he also doesn't like divorce himself from religious language. He has no problem saying, you know, Godspeed or, you know, saying anything like that as far as that, that, that may reference God or may positively reference God or, or religion. He doesn't really have a problem with that. And man, is that so tempting of a position to take within Christianity? Sometimes with Christianity. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> That's been a thing I've wrestled with for the last couple of years specifically, the idea of, do I even want to call myself Christian anymore? Not that I don't believe in the Christ, the anointed one, in the form of the, you know, the Greek definition of it, the Messiah of Jesus. But that term, especially in the West, is becoming so loaded. And it's almost to the point you're like, am I playing Russian roulette with a fully loaded, you know, cylinder <laughs> at <Yeah>. this point? <laughs> so, yep. Like, uh, and that's, that's, what's so hard about this is, is the only reason, and I came to this conclusion a long time ago too, but the only, only reason that I'm still in this faith and still a part of this, this community, 
uh, within Christianity and and within my own you know denomination within that is because I genuinely believe what I believe, and that's basically it. Yes, there's a little bit of comfort in you know it being your kind of as as Rachel Held Evans used to say, kind of her first language, right? It's it's something that there it, it does feel like home when you've been in it for long enough, but. At the end of the day, the only reason I'm I'm still here is because I genuinely believe in the belief system, not necessarily the organization itself. And while I do believe the organization and, and the institution of the church and, and different denominations within Christianity can do a lot of good at the same time, I am not here because of people. And that's the ultimate like that's that's why I'm still here, and it's just frustrating because it means that there's a whole lot of mess to clean up too. There was actually on that note, there was there's this old sermon I heard from a pastor in Las Vegas, Judd Wilhite, who he's he was pastoring a mega. I don't know if he's still there. This was like 2012 or 2013, and he was preaching on what it's like to essentially be in a mega church in Las Vegas and what it looks like to minister in essentially Sin City. And he's like, yeah, people come up, people show up for the first time completely hungover or still strung out and having lost everything in gambling or, you know, whatever they've, whatever they've done, cheated on their, their spouse, you know, could be anything. Right. And he tells, he, he told, told the story of, I don't even remember the whole sermon. I just remember this one, this one bit where he told the story of a guy who, who did come up who came in drunk. It's 9 a.m. on a Sunday. He came in completely drunk, and at one point, he, he th- the guy threw up and passed out in, and fell into his own vomit. And no one judged the guy around him, but instead, like, kind of maintenance crew came in, and people, they called, they called, I think they called an ambulance, and they got him taken care of, essentially, and got him cleaned up, and they, they cleaned up the mess and, and you know, kept going. And his whole thing, his whole his whole one liner in that whole sermon was basically, "Sin is messy. Grab a mop." And the idea that you can be a part of helping to clean up the mess, and when when someone else is caught up in their own mess, the best thing you can do is grab a mop and get in there and help them clean up and 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 get out of it. Now, if someone doesn't want out of the mess, that's a different thing, right? That, that's completely. Or if somebody doesn't want a mop, they want a get out of jail free card. Yep. Like this case. Yep. There's actually, man, I keep talking, but this just reminded me of something I learned in lifeguarding. But in lifeguarding, when when someone is drowning, you're trained as a lifeguard to never actually go. Maybe this has changed in the last decade, but you're never actually supposed to like go out to them, especially without a flotation. Correct, because because they'll try and drown you. Yeah, because they the, will be so desperate. It's the what's the 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 lily pad effect. But the idea is that when they're flailing, they're reaching for anything they possibly can, and so they will and they will push down on it to get themselves up, and so they will drown you. So the idea is you reach out with your your I forget what it's called, but the basically that, that red the big buoy. long board thing yeah. that they throw out yeah yeah so you're supposed the, the idea is you give that to them so that they can float and then once they you know as they're calming down and and as they stop flailing because now they're you can pull them in but the idea is you never actually go out and grab them yourself until they've stopped flailing <laughs> that's that's the that's the because otherwise it's you or them at that point and you're going to yeah. lose that battle in that moment if they get on you first so it's yeah there's one of those things 
Yeah. So there is. So I guess we have to face this again, right? <laughs> we have yep. to go back to the topic. <laughs> so, yep. Um, the though there was some good stuff there. Um, oh no, it was. But so let's get into this this Twitter thread from Rachel Den Hollander, who is one of the people that was key in taking down Larry Nasser, who was the U.S. Olympic coach for gymnasts who was who's uh, prosecuted and convicted. What back in 2016? 2015? Something like that. or Somewhere around the same time for... as, yeah. But yeah, so let's get into this thread a bit. Um, and yeah, Henry, if you want to take us through that and, and what, what, and introduce that. Oh, mercy. So now I need to pull the thread up. Because <laughs> you had that, you were like, I'm not going to pull that. I have that thread up for you. And I said, okay, fine. Well, I'm so upset we too, because I had it up and it disappeared. I don't know where it went in my notes, Oh, that's but why it's you gone. wanted that. Yep. I was, okay, I well, was I... Having, asking you to save my skin there. Uh, okay, well, I've got it up now, so if I beat you to finding it again. Oh, so, yeah, you have yeah, it. You're so, good. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I do. So how do we, how do we want to go through this? Let's see here. Uh, we don't want to read this entire thing uh, because that's a lot, uh, but we want to try and hit some of, the, some of the highlights here. So let's just go through some of the points that she brings up and then talk about it because I remember we chose to go, to all, all transparency here, we chose to talk about this topic after reading through this thread. Uh, this thread was brought to both our attention, and by the time we finished reading this, we were just like, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, shout out to Matthew Schallenberger for bringing it to our attention. Yes, yeah, because I'm not on Twitter a lot, and so I probably would have definitely missed this. I think we've talked about her first tweet kind of already, but just for the sake of clear, clearly stating this, if you didn't figure that out by our revulsion earlier... She said, the images and videos Josh downloaded for his own sexual pleasure were of toddlers and babies being sexually assaulted. 18 months to three years old. He literally found sexual gratification in watching the sexual torture of babies and toddlers. Mm -hmm. So uh, if that was the whole point we were talking about earlier. I think we've kind of dealt with this. This is just revolting. And we talked about the FBI agent. She brings that up. Okay, this is... This part is interesting. We should bring this one up. So she goes on a couple down the thread. She goes, he was able to view these images even though he had a program like Covenant Eyes on his computer because he downloaded special software that allowed him to bypass it. And his reports were going to his wife, the homeschooling mom of six with the seventh on the way. Busy and exhausted and also expected to babysit her husband's porn problem. Let's just pause on that for a minute. Yeah. The, so I, this is, I will be a hundred percent transparent and say this has, and will always be one of actually my, um, one of my biggest personal struggles. And I don't mean what he was looking at. I mean, the workarounds, my right. growing up, my dad was very into computers. I built my own computer at a very young age. I was involved in IT when I, like I worked for the IT department at my, at my high school to the point that when I worked for, for as a yearbook editor, my senior year, I was given full admin privileges over the computers in that room, uh, over our, all of our yearbook computers and set up a server for us and everything. Now it's been years since I've done that. So I actually, I had to figure it out that year and it's been a while. So I haven't done that since, but basically the idea is I know my way around devices and it's increasingly true that generation, you know, future generations from now will also know their way around devices. And I know enough to be dangerous, which means that all of those apps 
that people have. Covenant Eyes, trip, uh, which was, I think was done by Triple X Church, unless Covenant Eyes is a separate thing, because Triple X Church also had a... They, they might have they might have spun it off. But they had yeah, a different pro- one, too. Basically, they're programs that are supposed to filter your you know, access to pornography. Yeah, they're firewalls, and they send reports to trusted to individuals whoever you select. So that, so that there's accountability. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you know the workarounds, which on a phone, on a computer, you name it, like they're they're not hard. But I'm also not going to say any of them specifically on here because I don't want to give that avenue to anyone who might be struggling with the same. All I can say is what it did was instead of instead of putting myself in a position where I didn't have ac- the only way to not have access is to basically take away internet completely. And battling temptation in my own life at the end of the day often comes down to a one-on-one willpower and losing that willpower battle every time sort of deal. That's what it, that's what my life always had been with this. So it is when you when you know those tools and when you know those ways of doing things, it is it makes that battle exponentially harder. And that is not meant to humanize or anything more than what it is. I'm just stating that those workarounds exist and it really it does suck when you're in the position of knowing them uh and dealing with 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 a problem. Yeah. I mean, a more concern, even independent of workarounds, the thing that disturbs me about that is thinking about that's true, how these programs work or whatever. Why do you further violate your wife by making her the one responsible to police your porn problem? Oh yeah. No. Y- y- yes. Uh, correct. Which is kind of what the thread brought up, right? She's like, yes. Oh yeah. So his, his wife who already knew he had one and now quote the trusted individual with it and even more kids on the way is responsible for placing whether those reports are accurate or whether he's working around it or whether i mean like really yep it's it's putting your wife in an unsafe position in general and a position to re hurt her every single time that you do something wrong and every every single time that you do something wrong and now granted that that can on its own be a powerful motivator too it's often not enough of a motivator so don't no one get your hopes up by that method but it's just a it's just a way to basically guarantee that you're going to cause harm where where you don't. The bottom line is, and I really want to be clear here in saying that at that point, the pornography addiction is her husband's problem. It's not her not hers. problem. It is his problem. And yes, she can play a supporting role and kind of a cheerleader and moral support role, but ultimately it is his problem, not hers, and it is not his right to make it hers. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that supporting role for a minute because that that thread did keep Goes going into it a little into bit that, more. Yeah, a, a little into that. See how I keep feeding I mean, you these. these I, little... You're you're just helping us. Do you have the thread in front of you now? Again, I do. Is that yeah, why yeah, you're... I have it. Ah, yeah. so now you know where it's coming from. Yeah. So she keeps going. We'll jump down a little bit in the thread. She says, "Quote: Submission in air quotes becomes a catchphrase to protect. She certainly couldn't tell anyone because that would not be respectful." That's how we counsel wives in these marriages. But she was certainly taught to have sex more to fix it. Her own mother-in-law wrote blog articles that said as much. Mm. The, the reality was and, and, and is that she do, they come from a belief system that says, yeah, the, the wife is supposed to submit to the husband. The husband's word is basically law, is basically rule, to the point that when... When Josh got released on bail, his his wife was called in and was asked for her perspective and, and asked for whether she felt comfortable with him being out. And she never expressed was, comfort with was it. That, 
was that him or was that the the piano teacher wife of the guy that he found to put him out on bail? Because I don't um, think he's staying at the house. Remember, that's the third party. Was it I the think. third if party? I, I need to look down. I need to look down her thread. Isn't that further yeah, down? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Maybe it when wasn't Josh his was wife. arrested. Is it? Her yeah, husband, yeah, 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 yeah. Her husband made that. Yeah. So it was the wife it, of the person that, it, that he's staying. He was with. a piano teacher of children. So yes. now he's staying at a third party place that also would have children coming into it. And so it was right? her. It was the witness's husband that made the decision, and she was here to support him. That's what it was. It was when she was called. To yeah, the, yeah. When, here's when, the quote. Yep. Oh. Yeah, I'd read yeah, it. Yeah, here's here's yeah. the quote. She says, every single family who takes piano from her and the wife herself has to uproot their routine, livelihood, and the child's music education because Josh. Everyone is expected to bear the cost except Josh. Yep. And it is absolutely despicable that there is a theology that, that allows room for this kind of thing. I, yes, because here's I, I the just, quote on that theology. I found it now. Sorry, I'm, we're, we're scrolling through this thread pretty fast, not trying to give you the whole thing. Um, let's see. She was called to the witness stand and asked if she was in agreement with having Josh live with them. She responded that, quote, her husband had made the decision and she was here to support him, end quote. Because under that theology, he has the authority and her job is to submit. And this is this is what's so despicable is all of these people. I, I love what you what you had read there. All of these people are now impacted by this, uh, by all these children and women are put at risk because of men who believe that they have the right to decide whatever they want to decide. And th th literally, this is two tweets down for, or three tweets down, I think, from that. The men make the decisions and decide the theology. They don't just they just don't bear the cost. Whether or not the children could be abused or already have been doesn't matter. And keeping Josh in their lives pretty much guarantees they will not disclose. But anyway, God hates divorce. And then she um, keeps going, everyone, everyone else, from Josh's own children to a woman afraid to have him in the home to his own wife, are bearing the risks and costs of this behavior, and they are being told it is godly and right to do it. One of the questions, or one of the one of the problems that that I see people run into when they're studying the Bible, and when they're coming to conclusions, is they get they a lot of people get so caught up in the plain text language that that a lot of Scripture tends to use, even when speaking, you know, contextually to something, or you know, speaking to something very specific within culture or you know the time period. People get so caught up in in a lot of those a lot of those verses or a lot of those things and imagery in the Bible that they, and they go, yeah, this just makes sense. And, and they rationalize it within the moment. But there is not a lot of thought that goes into the actual implications of that belief. And it's often, it is often that I find perceived biblical truth is disproven through the implications of the belief rather than the biblical text itself. And what I mean by that is humans are very, very capable of interpreting things in wild ways. And it is, it is down to that individual interpretation where, where you have to look at the implications of what you believe and where that actually ends up leading you and where that would lead others. 
and how it actually impacts others. And that's where you actually may discover that your interpretation wasn't so correct to begin with. And it should at least cause you to question and revisit. Even if it ultimately doesn't mean you change your position, it should at, at the very least cause you to revisit, rethink, and, and, and restudy your belief when you, when you see those implications or when you discover those implications. And this is headship theology, submission theology, all of this is, I think, falls into that category. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's not Christianity. No, it's not. It's not a belief of Christianity, even if it comes masqueraded as one. Now, even though it's been adopted wholesale by big chunks of, and swaths of the church. And that's that's so that's the problem is at what point is it, you know, at what point do we just say Christianity is whatever the majority of it are are doing uh, versus what I guess that's where you have to is. differentiate it. Biblical or genuine Christianity versus Correct. contemporary Christianity, whatever, you know, wordplay you want to unfortunately have to use. Yeah. And but, but the point is, we're talking about this thread's brought up the Duggard situation is showing this theology and practice. If you're yes. disgusted by why in the world is everybody flipping over backwards to make things work for this guy, and now all these other kids are at risk, and these wives and all these women that are like, this is not good, time out, and they're just like, submit, woman. Uh, this, is, this is where this is coming from. Yep. And it would have to be personal belief, too, because I can't imagine for these women to be submitting to this. There has to be some overarching belief, fear, whatever you want to call it in them that says, even though everything in me says, no, I'm going to do this. Well, that's, I mean, I, I encountered that in a very, very small way. And this was, I think, the first time that I, I really realized how ingrained some of this stuff could be. But I firmly believe there's, a, there's actually a book about this called Leaders Eat Last. And the idea being that leaders make sure that everyone else gets food before they do. And I, and I very much lived by that as a, when I was pastoring full-time and going through our little potluck buffet line thing yeah. that we had at my tiny little church in South Carolina. I remember standing there and all the women had left a little bit early from the service to, to go make sure all the food was ready. And that's just how they did things. And when, when they noticed me standing in the kitchen before not grabbing any food, one of the one of the older women in the church in her sixties uh, was basically approached me and said, "Pastor, go eat food." And I said, "No, no, you first. I want to make sure that everyone else gets food, and I'll take whatever's left. Uh, you know, I'll take take from what whatever's left." And she said, "No, no, no. Yeah. I I was raised that that the pastor you know, gets the it pastor first. goes yeah. first. And uh, and I was like, well, and I lead in a way that I want to make sure everyone else is taken care of before." before I am. And I lost that battle that day. Not really a it's battle necessarily, say that. I, but it was a, it was, I, I didn't want to get into it. So I just kind of, I said, well, thank you. I very much appreciate your kindness. And, but it was culturally ingrained. She was raised that way. And now she's in her sixties. She's lived her entire life that way. Yeah. How do you undo that kind of cultural ingrainment? I don't know the word. I don't want to say indoctrination, but just you, that. You have... Yeah. You have humorous attempts to change it. I had almost a similar situation where that was me. I did not like eating first. And the ladies, when they finally realized I wouldn't do it, since I was usually standing at the front of the church talking for a while before I walked over there, they just went and started making takeout plates for me. Mm. And so then I didn't know when they got the takeout plate, you know, which they probably did at the front end. But, you know, it's... 
Yep. They were determined. Here's your food. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying like, that's a, that's an easy way. Like that's, that's kind of like a good problem I guess to have is like, Oh no, you first, no, you first. Like it's, it's a kind thing of people trying to, to be selfless and be, be generous. But it very much, if you are taught this from day one and, and this is ingrained in your family, this is what you saw in, in your parents. This is what you saw in, in leaders around you in your entire social circle then why would you believe anything else? It like, yeah, it's hard to fathom for us, but it's not so difficult to fathom for those who are in it. Yeah, but, you know, to roam it back around to this topic, this deals with an issue of selflessness too in the church, and again, bad theology. Selfless does not mean thinking less of yourself in the sense Correct. that you're garbage. When Christians talk about selfless, right, well, you got to be selfless. Okay, selflessness does not mean you're being treated like a garbage can or a doormat, or something else. Selfless does not mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less. That's all that means. And for like these ladies involved in this and the people with this Duggart case, it's proof that they're being told your fears don't matter, your safety doesn't matter, your emotions do not matter. What matters is you being, quote, selfless or whatever religious language we want to use, and he is in trouble right now, and Josh needs help, and Josh needs this, and your job is to submit to that as good Christians, I'm sure some version of this, and do what it takes to rally and help this individual because they're a sinner in need right now, at least if they even admit that he's wrong. Right. He's a sinner in need. And so we just need to rally together and your reward will be in heaven or whatever triggering religious mumbo jumbo language they're probably using. And the point is, if it is asking these people, which I think it is, to sacrifice themselves emotionally, physically, and risk their own children sexually, perchance, or everything else, that is not selfless. That is not Christian. That is a doctrine of demons. Yep. Okay, let's just, uh, this, this is the part in the thread that bothered me beyond anything else, because, I mean, I'm with more militant atheists and everything else when people go, if the church is willing to sacrifice its children, uh, okay, let me actually back up, I'm going to put it this way, <laughs> let me use really biblically sound language for this. When I study the First Testament, what a lot of people commonly call the Old Testament, but there's nothing old about it, uh, when I study the First Testament, Whenever, and I mean whenever Israel, the nation of Israel, got into worshiping idols, when they got into idolatry, when they left God and they were worshiping Baal, Ashtoreth, the high places, some carved tree image, the bronze serpent on the pole, whatever, every single story, when they got headlong into worshiping some sort of idol, it always, it always ended in the murder of children. Mm-hmm. It always ended in the murder of children. They put them in the fires to Baal. Right, they sacrifice them in the high places or, or whatever, and and to me, I've always used that illustration to say, if whatever thing you've made an idol in your life, if you've made a worship style of an idol, if you've made a a certain per- preference on something an idol, if there is an idol in your religious experience, it will always end in the murder of your children, of mm-hmm. the next generation. It always will. Now, maybe not the physical murder. You might not literally take a knife and slice them open and throw them in a fire, but. If the churches wonder why the next generation, why every every generation, it seems the next one's gone, are dying spiritually, are disappearing from the churches, ask yourself, is your church murdering them to maintain whatever the idol is you have, that worship style, that music style, that dress style, that theology style, that how often do you read the red book style, whatever, 
what do you eat? Any bad theology will always murder children. And all I can say is that what it's all this story so far, just the details we have, and admittedly, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on a podcast about obviously we're we're filtering in real-time info and we're not in the exact situation. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing the best we can. But every intent and purpose seems to show that children are being sacrificed for the sake of this Josh guy. And and piano student children and his own children and all these children are being sacrificed for the sake of whatever. And if that's the case, that's an automatic, huge biblical red flag that says this is complete garbage. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is it is not condoned by God. It should never be condoned by the church. And anyone that supports that kind of theology doesn't need to be in church either. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I, you're getting me mad. Okay. No, <laughs> I I get it. No, no, no. And and we do need to bring this to a resolution. I I I, I agree with you. And I think that's a great way of putting this. Is is look at the impacts that it has on children, on women. The Bible has over 2,100 verses talking about support for the widow, the orphan. And when it says widow, I guess I know that men can be widowers too Widowed. or widows too yeah. but but the bible is very specifically talking about women in this position right the this is a very real thing and i think that's a that's a very concrete metric that you can actually look at and adjust if it, you know how this actually plays out for for children and i can already think of a few other very important areas that that we could use some that could use some revisiting just based on off of those implications but the the question I have, Henry, at this point is, where do we go from here? What does this mean for the person listening? Assuming they could even get through this podcast at this point, I don't, I don't, I will not be upset one bit if, if this doesn't get listened to halfway as, into the beginning. Yeah, if someone couldn't make it all the way through, I do not blame them. But yeah, where do we go from here? I mean, first we need to, in our own mind, accept the reality. I believe that this is unacceptable, and it needs to be clearly stated as much. I mean, you may not have to do an hour-long podcast talking about the gruesome details about this, but I mean, this could be as simple as whenever you hear someone bring up that name, or if it starts getting talked about more in society or whatever, you use any moment to be like, that is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing, you got to call it what it is. That is, it is, it's gross. It's unacceptable. Second of all, if you're a person of faith, now is a time to, again, it's, it's always the saying, you can't change the past, you can only change the present to out, you know, to, or impact mm-hmm. the present to change the future. We need to look at our own faith communities and our own ways of living and saying, you know, what are we doing that could contribute to the small steps that lead to that or enable people like that? Or, you know, there might not be a Josh Duggar in every congregation or in every family, uh, but there are things you can choose to do to help prevent the Josh Duggars of the world from ending up in your family or in your congregation or to stop them before there's even more bodies stacked up in their victim column. Yep. Right? I mean, this is this is a big thing, and I appreciate that our denomination, I know, has been making a big push for this in the last several years. With It was first verified volunteers, then it was sterling volunteers, or they keep renaming it because whatever thing, their company, they're paying to do this. But this is one reason why, you know, if you're in a small church, or even if you're not part of our denomination, you're in a church— Make every single one of your children's workers go through some sort of background check and training for child abuse and and things like that. And don't let them work with kids if they don't. I don't care if they're the 80-year-old woman that's always been faithful and ran a Sunday school or Sabbath school for 500 years. And you're like, well, she wouldn't hurt a fly. You know, she has 200 cats. I I don't care. Whatever the cliche, make everybody go through it. I, I literally at our church, we had this happen when we were 
changing over to children's church. And I had a woman that had been running Sabbath school for probably 60 years. She never, she didn't even have an email. Okay. Mm. She's like tech illiterate. Okay. I had to take time and a couple other deacons and sit down and help make her an email so that she mm. could sign up to go through this online training. We had to spend a lot of annoying hours on the phone explaining to her, okay, see the big green button, click that. Now watch this video. Well, how do they do the background check? Did they check my email address? Is that, no, 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 you have to put your social security. We had to walk through, it was annoying to get her through this thing. Okay, but we we held the line, no exceptions. Everybody got this test. Everybody went through it. It can make structural changes to your facilities. There should never be a single classroom that a kid is in that's not a window in the door, period. There should be no closed doors with with young people. Just, mm. nope. Uh, and if your church doesn't have the money to put windows in or whatever else, take the door off the hinge. I don't care. Do not, I mean, get creative. The, the point is, stop making excuses in our own lives. Okay, it's because excuses, let's just use Josh Duggar again. We got here because excuses were made for him for years. And it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. What you enable today will kill you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I don't care how small it is, right? We've got to start, we have to stand up and say it's not acceptable, but then we have to act on it. Okay, and yeah, we're not the jury and we can't sit on the Duggar case, but we can sit in our own families and our own communities and say, this is unacceptable, need to deal with this. And then finally start, like we said before, examining the theologies and the, the methodologies that you hold now. And ask yourself, what are they doing to young people? You know, in this case, we could ask also, what are they doing to women? That's almost a, a, a related but side topic. I could say that injustice towards women is the oldest sin in the Bible. I mean, the very first person yep. that sin threw under the bus was a woman. I don't know if you realize that. When God showed up and mm -hmm. said, Adam, where are you? And he goes, oh, yeah, well, the woman you gave me. Uh, first thing sin did, woman got thrown under the bus. <laughs> okay? And the very first warning God gave, I know there's some debate theologically, like, well, God cursed women for, no, no, read it carefully. He goes, you know, her desire will be for her husband, but he will rule over her. And I view that as less prescriptive than descriptive. Correct. You can feel free to disagree with me. No, no, I, I really don't think yeah. that's. I, I, I really don't think that's God saying now woman shall serve man. Okay, he because that was never his like intent. A, a just an outcome or a result of this, but not a God ordained outcome or result of right, this. Right, because think about this: if you've moved into a sin environment, I know you're using religiously charged language, but very brief. The idea that now it's me, 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 I, 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 selfishness has taken over. We have to take care of ourselves. Well, nine out of eight times, it's might makes right. And I know that, and there's nothing against women as, as, as a gender, I'm not meaning it this way, but as a whole, I know there are exceptions to this. As a whole, if you had a man and a woman have to go physically head to head over something, who is usually the stronger physically? It's nothing against women. And I've seen women bodybuilders and stuff, and they could break me in half with their pinkies. But my point is the majority of the time, men have more physical brute strength. And because of that, if you are now living in a society where might makes right, then who's probably going to be on the losing end of most of these arguments? Yep. yep. Yeah, women, right? And so he men have ruled over. Uh, injustice against women is one of the oldest, if not the oldest sin in the book in human history and injustice. But that's a different topic. But bring it to a close here. I want to turn it to you, Ryan, because I'm just getting round, wound up and go, go, go. Is again, ask yourself, what are you holding now? What is your belief system? What are your methodologies? What are they saying about women? What are they saying about children? And more importantly, I guess, to this topic, what are they saying about perpetrators and sin? 
okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm all for grace, and I believe if everybody's alive, there's hope, okay? But any theology or any use of grace that prioritizes grace to the victimizer over grace to the victim is out of balance, out of whack, and out of the Bible. Yep. I agree. So you need to readdress it. By the way, on that point of, on the point of uh, men being physically stronger, just by, you know, physio- physiologically, there was actually a story of uh, Serena Williams, who is like the greatest women's tennis player ever and is an absolute unit of a person. She, there's a story of her saying that she could beat anyone in the top ranked 200 men in the world in tennis. And some Russian player, I forget his name, this was years and years ago, but there was some Russian player who essentially, um, who was ranked 212 and accepted that challenge. And he beat her, I think it was five, they played one set, he beat her five to one. And when asked about the game and about his day prior, he had smoked a cigar or two before the game and had had, a, and had, had some whiskey as well. I just, insane. And, and like, that's, that's against Serena Williams, who's like one of the greatest players. Like you can, you can look beast. up uh, yeah. John, uh, John Eisner, who is one of, he has, he's known for having one of the most powerful serves in tennis. And just look up any of like Josh's mixed, or John, uh, I think it's John Eisner, um, any of his, his mixed, mixed doubles. doubles where he serves against the women and it's like just everyone's laughing because the the women literally can't touch those serves. And we're and, not trying to make any statement like that women are weak or pathetic. Correct. Like, no, no, these I mean, are she, all she, incredibly she, talented. Yeah, like there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, like, like these are and all I mean, go like greatest of all time, women. not like, meh, you know, but. And yeah, no, so, uh, so just, just to give a point to that, that's, just, I hope that lends some credence to what you're sharing here because it's, it, it's very much true whether we like it or not. And, and I think for us as individuals, I do think that we need to, to do some work on our own beliefs and see how the implications of those beliefs actually do impact others. And I think we need to be willing to have those conversations in our churches, in our small groups. If you're a pastor, youth pastor, having those conversations amongst friend, uh, amongst your, you know, amongst your own youth and amongst your own church members and families and going into, uh, it, there needs to be in the same way that there were classes for women on and, and, and all these different times set aside for women to be taught uh, how to basically make sure that they don't tempt a man and how they're supposed to live appropriately and act appropriately. Uh, this is purity culture again. Yep. We could just keep yep. going on I know, that. but it comes back to that, right? The, the thing for me is there needs to be intentional work done to value young women, to show them that they matter, to show them that they are not responsible for the actions uh, that men and that boys and teenagers decide to take. There are, that they are fully independent, that they are fully valued equally in the eyes of God, and that they have value, dignity, worth, everything. There needs to be that same kind of emphasis now on the flip side to, to, to make sure that, that they know that and, and so that we can begin to end that stupid chain. I, I hate it. And I hate the number of women that I have met in my own life, the number of women that I'm close to, who are a victim of those kinds of teachings. And to be honest with you, there's, there's not that many that aren't in some They're way, shape, not. or form. I mean, if you want to know one reason I get so passionate, my own wife, even in the time we've been married, has been the victim of people's 
sexually harassing her, yep, looking down on her or whatever. And I've had to watch my and this gets at you as a man who has to, you know, like I'm supposed to protect my wife or whatever. Like that, and to watch her willingly tell me, just leave it alone and don't do anything, and because she just doesn't feel like there's any worth in her going through the effort of of, of addressing yep. it, it just gets my last crawl. Yep. I mean, it, it's a spiritual challenge for me not to literally be unchristian in my thoughts towards certain people in her life right now at her workplace and all that that are doing things to her. That I just want to go out and like wring their neck, you yeah. know, literally, which isn't healthy. But uh, it's a it's a human problem. But sadly, it's it's a church problem and we need to own it. If you've never heard it before, this is a church problem. Yeah. And we've got a lot of work to do. So with that, Henry and I need to go wash our mouths out and go take a shower and obviously separately. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) we just need to, we just need to, to try and, and move on with our day after this conversation. If you've made it to this point, thank you so much. And we hope this was at least beneficial to you and gave you some things to ponder and think about and kudos to you if you're already in the position that we've talked about of being someone on the good side of this fight uh, who is teaching value to people and is uh, showing them that they, they are worthy of love and, and care and, and that they are equal in the eyes of God. If, if you're on that journey right now, then then we applaud you for, for doing that for others and, and for making sure to communicate that. And if you're on the journey of realizing that for yourself, then let Henry and I be one more, you know, two more voices in your life that are telling you that, yes, you absolutely are valuable. You are worthy. And just to be clear, one thing that Rachel said in her in her in her thread was that porn is the gateway to things that that Josh has has found himself in. And while that can be true, just because you may have an addiction or a really bad habit with this stuff does not make you Josh Duggar. No. So don't your decisions let, make you who you are. Correct. Your decisions make better ones. Yeah, make better ones. And I'm not saying that you, you're staring at the edge of a cliff and you're just one you know, bad decision away from, from being this. You're actually several bad decisions from being from this. It's tiny decisions after tiny decisions. But, um, but just know that there is hope for you, that there is a way out of this. Um, and if you want to reach out and, and talk with either of us, uh, contact info, social media is all in the show notes. So you're welcome to, to reach out to us and we're happy to connect you with support resources, um, in, in any way that we can also support you though limited with just the two of us. So that's why we're going to try and connect you as much as possible and, and help you, but you're always welcome to reach out to us. Confidentiality is always important to us as well. And, and that matters. So thank you everyone for listening, for supporting the show, share it with a friend. If you haven't yet, that's how podcasts grow is word of mouth. And And uh, maybe this is not the first episode to share with correct share any literally any other episode Uh, that would that would mean the world to us. So with that, thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next week.